Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today's show, we're talking about, do I really need a mortgage broker? Because, of course, the answer may be no. Now, Andrew, what exactly does a mortgage broker do? Well, look, a mortgage broker's job is to get you the money. And there is a common misconception, certainly there was when I was a mortgage broker, that it's about you use a mortgage broker to get the best interest rate. That's not the case and might not necessarily be true. Sometimes you might not get the lowest rate, but it's actually about the best structure and actually getting the money to buy your first home or to buy your investment. But the key thing is they're going to be your voice to the bank. So they're going to pretty you up and make sure that your application has got the most chance of getting an approval. Because getting a no and then trying to turn that into a yes from a bank can be really, really challenging. So it's important that a mortgage broker understands not only what you want to do now, but also what you want to do in the future so that they can get a yes now, but also can help you get a yes in the future if you want to keep expanding your portfolio, for example. Now, let's talk about how mortgage brokers get paid. Because I remember with starting out in property investment, there were a lot of people who think that you have to pay a mortgage broker or just think, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to use a mortgage broker because I don't know how they get paid. Well, what they do is they get paid a commission from the bank. So if they help you get a mortgage, they'll usually get, or the business that they work for will usually get about 0.6% of the mortgage amount. Of course, it changes for each bank, but that's a good ballpark. So if you take out a 500k mortgage, they might get a commission of, I don't know, roughly $3,000. Now, often you don't have to pay them, but there are some instances where you might. So some brokers do decide to charge you a fee as well as get paid the commission from the bank. Of course, they will tell you about this or disclose this before you go ahead with them. Other times, you might decide to get lending from a non-bank lender. So like ResiMac or Bluestone or Avanti, somebody like them. Now, often those non-bank lenders do not pay fees, don't pay commissions to the mortgage brokers, in which case they might charge you a fee. Again, the exact amount will be told to you before you work with them. But look, if you're just going to get a normal mortgage from a main bank, a TSB, an ASB, an ANZ, those kinds of guys, you're usually not going to have to pay your mortgage broker. Now, let's talk about both the pros and the cons of working with a mortgage broker, Andrew, so people could decide for themselves whether it is the right fit for them or not. Okay, so pros, first of all, I guess the biggest one in my experience is you're more likely to get the finance and it's more likely to be a streamlined process. So a broker knows the bank's policies and as such, they're not going to approach a bank that they know is going to give you a no. So I'll give you a good example. So I work with quite a few airline staff. Now, airline staff can have complex pay structures and that's because they'll get non-taxable allowances on top of their regular income. So if they're flying and they're staying in a hotel for a couple of nights, they'll get some money for meals and stuff like that. Now that becomes part of their regular income, but it's not taxed and so they get a higher amount net income. Now, I know that some banks are a bit more strict on how that's calculated than others. So if you're sitting with a broker and they know that your servicing's really, really tight, but there's a bank that favours these extra incomes more than another, they're going to apply to that bank rather than the ones that maybe are a bit harder. I thought it was BNZ, right? Can't remember off the top of my head. And why is that important? Well, again, you don't really want to get a no from a bank because if you end up getting three no's from three different banks, the fourth bank, when they look at your application, is going to see that you've gone to the three banks before and 
they're not going to think, oh, well, those other banks, you probably just don't meet their criteria. They're probably going to think, what do those banks know that we don't know? And they're probably going to scrutinize the application a lot more. Another big benefit is the time and hassle factor. So going to a bank and actually doing the loan application yourself and getting all the documents together and knowing what you need to include and not include, that could take quite a bit of time. And actually, Ed, didn't you have a situation recently? Oh, so there was a reason, but I had to get a small loan from Westpac. And so I went through their main website and ended up working with a lovely lady from the Rangiora branch. And I sent some documents through to her and then I never heard back. And then when I called her, she said, oh, I, I emailed you. And she, I guarantee oh, I she did. I bet she did. She definitely <laughs> did. But I don't hear back from you, so I just thought you'd gone somewhere else. I thought, well, I'm about to pay you quite a lot of money in interest. Why aren't you chasing <laughs> oh, me sorry, out? sorry, so it's her fault now. No, it's I'm just... It's Janet's like, fault that you didn't respond to your email. Her name was not Janet. It was Rosie. No, it wasn't Rosie. It wasn't. We'd never say that on the podcast. But what I'm saying is if I compare that to my mortgage broker who I usually work with, if I am useless, they <laughs> hound me on the phone to get through the documents to them. So sometimes they work as a bit of a, a coach, I guess, in order to say, hey, look, I know that giving us all of these documents can be a bit annoying, but actually you need to do it. Come on, mate, give us your stuff so I can get you another investment property. So I do find that they will save you time, save you a bit of a hassle and provide that coaching mindset. But that's not the only pro, right? No, I think one of the other big ones is telling you how to set up your mortgage so that you can still do what you want to do later on. So a great example of that is split bank. So if you go into the bank and you say you want a million dollars to buy an investment property in Auckland, they'll give you a million dollars to buy an investment property in Auckland if you meet their criteria. They're not going to tell you to borrow 200000 from them and borrow 800000 from Kiwi Bank across the road because then it's going to give you greater flexibility later on with your portfolio. Absolutely not. No bank in their right mind is going to do that. But it's true. You will probably have a easier time growing your portfolio in the future if you split back. Another thing is with a mortgage broker, particularly ones that are experienced with build applications, they know that getting the full 20% that you need for your deposit set up now, even if you're not going to draw it down, but set up now, approved, ready to draw down, is easier than getting 10% and then worrying about the other 10% later on because your circumstances might change. And I realise that that's a really nerdy technical example, but it's really important because if you don't do that, there is a risk that you could lose, for example, $80,000 of your own money because you didn't get the mortgage structure right and some things have changed. Now, we go into a lot more detail about that in one of our ebooks, which you could just find on our website. I think it's everything that could go wrong when you buy a new built investment property. But some of these nerdy things are so important. If you are needing to grow your portfolio so your wealth continues to grow, or if you're wanting to make sure that there is less risk that you lose 80 grand or 100 grand when you're buying a new build off the plans. Even things like using a revolving credit to fund renovations rather than taking out a mortgage top up, that can save you a significant amount in interest if you're doing a renovation over a 12-month period. And I know we've talked about that on the show. But I think people really do massively underappreciate how important mortgage structure is. Now, that doesn't mean that mortgage brokers are always the be-all and end-all. I want to talk about some of the cons of using a mortgage broker. So one of the ones that a lot of people don't realize 
is not every mortgage broker works with every bank. So we just had Peter and April on from Catalyst Financial a couple of days ago. And April was talking about that at the moment, she does not work with Kiwi Bank. Now they're working on that. They're trying to get what's called accredited so that they can work with clients, work with investors who want to get a mortgage with Kiwi Bank. But not every broker works with every bank. There's a very well-known, I'm not sure if I can say the name because we've talked about them a lot on the show previously, but a well-known mortgage brokerage who only works with three lenders, Kiwi Bank, ASB, and I believe it's Sovereign. There might be an extra one now. Now, you might think, well, I'm going to go to this particular one and that's going to be great because they can work with every single bank and save me the hassle. Well, that's not necessarily the case. They only work with three. Well, what happens if you don't meet one of those three banks' lending criteria or three lenders' credit criteria? Well, the answer might be no. And you might think, oh, well, it's definitely a no. Well, no, there might be another bank, BNZ, for example, that they just don't happen to work with, but that bank would approve you. So that's where there can be some cons with mortgage brokers. Now, the way you figure this out is if you go to any mortgage advisor's website, there will be their disclosure document. Now, it might be called legal information you need to know or important stuff you need to know. The disclosure information has to be on every single financial advice provider's website, and it has to be in a prominent place. That's what the law says. But if you go there, it will show you the banks that they have relationships with. And it generally will be better if there are more lenders than fewer lenders, in my view, because that mortgage advisor has more options to work with. Another major con is that you are likely going to have to provide more documents than if you were going direct to your bank. I mean, if I go to, I I have mortgages currently with Westpac, ASB and BNZ. I I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) But if I go back to those banks, I don't have to give them my passport again. Oh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, that, theoretically. Well, maybe they'll ask for it anyway. Yeah. Janet from Westpac, <laughs> Ruggie Order. No, again, her name's not Janet. She was lovely. She was lovely, and her name's not Janet. <laughs> but she was from Ruggie Order. No, uh, you know, or if I go to ASB with my main transaction banking is, I'm not going to have to provide them with my bank statements again. So there may be slightly fewer documents you have to provide compared to if you go to a mortgage broker. And what I do want to say is the quality of a mortgage broker or mortgage brokers in general, is going to be more variable than with the banks. So let me explain what I mean, because I see you give me a funny look. So if I go to a bank, there are so many systems in place to deal with investors that even if I get somebody who is not as skilled, yeah. you know, maybe I can work with somebody else at that bank. Whereas mortgage advisors, the companies are just going to naturally be smaller. So there are going to be some excellent mortgage advisors, but there are also going to be some really rubbish mortgage advisory businesses out there. And I just think the quality is going to be more variable than banks that can invest a lot of money in systems. You disagree with me, but... Yeah, yeah I mean, look... I, I said it. I, I, yeah, okay. No, no, no. Tell me why you disagree with me. Your theory is right. But you disagree in practice? I don't practice? think in practice, no. I, well, the thing that I think that banks lack nowadays are specialists. That's what I think happens. So you can get some really great mobile mortgage managers at banks that do mortgages day in and day out. But for the average person, you often deal with someone that maybe is doing mortgages and doing accounts and doing foreign transfers and stuff like that. And so it could be that they just don't see as many mortgages as a mortgage broker. Okay, you disagree with me on that one. But are there any other cons of using a mortgage broker? I think that one thing that I see occasionally, and, and that, like this comes with the disclaimer that it is just occasionally, sometimes I've heard of situations where 
if we process something through a broker unit at Catalyst Financial, that it does not meet criteria. And the credit manager will say, no, that doesn't meet criteria. It's not a deal that we can do. But sometimes a mobile mortgage manager might have a discretion. So I remember back in the days when Tony Mounts was at BNZ, he had what was called a DCA, Designated Credit Authority. And he could sign up to, let's say it was a million dollars. He could sign off that loan himself. Didn't even have to go to credit or anything like that, get anyone's permission. And so if he looked at it and liked that he did the whites of the eyes test, he'd sign it off. And so again, he obviously had to earn those stripes, but I do think there's a little bit of that in the market still. Yeah, probably less than there was, right? Absolutely, way less. So what sort of people typically benefit from using a mortgage broker? Then we'll talk about people who might decide not to use one. I think if you're just a person who you own a house and all you're going to do is you, you want to go and buy a new house and your mortgage is going to be relatively low and you want to stay with the same bank, you can probably just go to the bank. No problem at all. But if you're doing anything more sophisticated than that, so you're buying your first house and really want some advice around mortgage structure, or if you, again, that, that example before, you want some meatier advice around how to pay off your mortgage faster, or if you're thinking about investing, that's when I think you need to use a specialist. I think definitely property investors need to. And did you say complicated situations like business owners? No, I didn't. Oh, so people like people who, who own businesses, I'd be setting it to a mortgage advisor, specifically just because it becomes so much more complicated. And then also, if you need to use a non-bank lender because you're not getting the approval that you need from a main bank, there are a lot of non-banks that only work with mortgage advisors and you cannot go to directly. One other group, which is quite a specialty group that I just jumped into my head that sometimes they are better going direct to the bank, farmers. So farms can be notoriously non-profitable for a number of years, but because they've got a huge value asset attached to them, sometimes banks and agri-specialists might be able to sign off something that a mortgage broker cannot. Oh, so you might go directly there. So let's dive into that when someone might not use a mortgage advisor. So you talked about farmers. The other people that I'm thinking about are private bank clients. If you're a very high income earner or you've got a lot of wealth, you might have a specialist relationship manager at the bank that you can call up and talk to about all of your banking. Now, if you're looking to upgrade your home and not invested property, then you might just decide to do that through your main bank because you have someone whose business card you have and you can call and they are dedicated to helping you out. I kind of see, you know, using a mortgage advisor almost like normal people having a private banker yeah, really yeah, in many absolutely. ways. And then simply, it's probably less important to use a mortgage advisor if you are buying your own home and you can easily afford it. And it is very obvious that the bank you're already with is going to approve that. Like, for example, if you earn 150K as household income and you're looking to borrow 200K, no other debt, it's really obvious that the bank that you're with is going to approve it, generally speaking. I'm not saying that a mortgage advisor is useless in that situation, but they're just going to add less value than if you are trying to buy two investment properties over the next five years, and you've got a more complicated situation. So it's not that you shouldn't, but it's just that, you know, in which situations is a mortgage advisor going to add more value? So Andrew, I'm going to ask you, how can a person sitting at home or listening to this podcast at the gym decide if they need to use a mortgage advisor or not? Okay, let's say you're about to borrow half a million dollars or more. Are you confident in your mind knowing which bank's going to approve you and which one's not and then how to structure your mortgage? If the answer is no, you need to use a mortgage broker. 
It's pretty simple, isn't it? Generally, I'd say use a mortgage advisor as long as you've got a good one, unless there is a really good reason not to. So things like uh, I had a specific situation where I needed to go to the bank directly, or if you're a private bank client and you're looking to borrow for your own home. Other than that, I'd generally say go to a mortgage advisor. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a friend who's on the fence about using a mortgage advisor or not, you might like to see them this episode. That is one of the main things you could do to help grow this property investment community we're building. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicole. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 